Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. All right, all right. Come on in if you're in the lobby. There is island time, there is Africa time, and there is Redemption Hill time. We're somewhere in between. All right, so as you guys mingle in here, um, I am going to begin to read from 1 John chapter 4 and into the first couple verses of chapter 5. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. Uh, I'm on staff here at Redemption Hill. And I don't speak often, but I'm excited to speak this morning um, and be with you guys. Yeah. Yee. All right. So we're going to start in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. And as we read, I, I don't want us to just read and to like go through the motions. I want you to really listen. I'm going to read through it slowly. Listen to the text. Listen for the Holy Spirit speaking. What, what stands out to you? What is he drawing your attention to this morning? Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. 
In chapter 5, anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats or overcomes this evil world. In 1998, the best rom-com ever made was released. You've Got Mail. How many of you have seen it? Yeah? Don't cry, shop girl. Don't cry. It's classic. It's this story about, it's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, first of all, which is just so, I mean, it's, you can't beat Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And so it's a story about this, local, this small like bookshop owner named Kathleen Kelly who has this tiny little shop in New York City. It's like a locally owned bookstore. It sells kids' books. And then you have Joe Fox, the owner of Big Bad Fox Books, the mega store that comes in and sells books so cheap that it puts out local businesses, puts local businesses out of business all across the country. And sure enough, Fox Books puts out, puts out of business the shop around the corner. And Kathleen Kelly and Joe Fox become worst enemies. Sorry for the spoilers here. Little did they know, though, these worst enemies had met online previously. They had been chatting, and they had fallen in love. And this whole movie, I hate to skip all the good parts, but it's this story of them coming together. And in the end, they're in New York City, in Central Park. It's spring. The Golden Retriever is, like, jumping on them as they're, like, kissing each other and realize that they're in love. And it pans back. And it's just this beautiful moment of love. Now, if... You would have asked me in high school, and I was honest with you, what my favorite movie was at that time. If I was honest, I probably would have told you, you've got mail. If I was hanging out with the football team, I probably wouldn't have said that, but that was my reality. And it's because deep down, I'm a romantic. And I think all of us on some level love the idea of love, right? Like in our culture, in our world, we love love. I would even say that on a cultural level, Love is the highest ideal. It's the, the highest ethical value that we have in our culture. So we all love this idea of love. But as I'm reading through 1 John, as we've been talking through 1 John, I recognize that the love that, that John is talking about here is a different kind of love than the one that Kathleen Kelly and Joe Fox experienced in Central Park. Now there's some similarities, there's some crossovers, um, but it's different. It's a little more intense. Um, I don't know about you, but as you guys were reading through that text, there's, there's some verses that really stand out to me. Like there's a lot of like quotable moments, like one-liners in this that you feel like you could just pull out, sew on a pillow and just like hold on to, right? One of those is this idea of God is love. Like to me, that is maybe the most revolutionary statement ever written in all of religious literature ever. It's a, it's a wild concept to think of God is as love. Oswald Chambers says this, God and love are synonymous. Love is not an attribute of God, it is God. Whatever God is, love is. So what he's getting at here is love and what John's getting at as well is defined by God. Love comes from God. God is the source of love. Again, this, this 
verse here, this quote, this sentence, I really think whether you're a believer, whether you're religious, whether you've grown up in church or not, if you see this verse as a standalone verse, it's pretty easy to like, like it, right? Like even if you don't believe in God, this idea of God as love is sort of like this inspirational idea. It feels good by itself, pulled apart from the rest of the text. It doesn't really feel like it's very demanding of us. It's nice, right? <clears throat> but it's, it's more than that. Um, I, I think there's nothing wrong with this statement. Obviously, it's in the scripture. It's true. But where we get it wrong is where we, we miss what the definition of love is, right? Like we have, we have this definition of love, this idea of love that is more defined on, if we're honest, how you make me feel, right? Like a moment in Central Park could never really define what love is. We talked about a few weeks ago in chapter 3 where where John says we know what real love is because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice he made for us, that he persevered through suffering, even to the point of dying on a cross and thinking about as he hung there, saying the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Like that's real love, to love the people who are murdering you. I think about Jesus on his hands and knees at the Last Supper with his disciples, his friends who he's lived with for years. And he knows that Judas is going to betray him with a kiss, that he's going to give him over to the Roman soldiers and the authorities. And yet he still washes the feet of Judas. This is a love that is like hard for me to compute, right? It's hard to understand how Jesus could love like that. And ultimately, in 1 John, this is the kind of love that is the, the standard, the ethic that John is calling us to. He's saying that in the same way that Jesus loved us, we're supposed to love each other and others. We're supposed to endure suffering. People who disagree with us, who, who cause us suffering, we're supposed to love them and in the same way say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The same people who betray us were called to get on our hands and knees and serve them and wash their feet. The people who have a different worldview than us were called to faithfully love them, to show up for them, to invite them into our homes. We're called to a very high standard here. We see that love is not a feeling. It's not about how you make me feel or what you can do for me, or what you can offer me. But love requires suffering, it requires sacrifice, and even training. It requires practice. It's not easy. It's something that, in a sense, is learned. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I cut out a lot talking about what love is, what the standard of love is, because I could spend 45 minutes to an hour at least talking about how this like standard of love that we all already know after just a few minutes is humanly impossible to work up within ourselves, right? Like as I read about the way that Jesus has loved me, I know that on my own there's no way that I can recreate that. Like I can't do that. Some of you 
have people in your life who just, they just know all your buttons and somehow they just accidentally push them all, all the time, right? Maybe that person is in your microchurch. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe you see them all the time. My microchurch is like, do you think he knows it's him? <laughs> but we all have that like person in our lives or those people, right, who we find it really hard to love. I'm grateful. I have a crew of people in my life who it just feels so easy to love, right? And, we're, and when we're together, there's a sense in which it's like, man, this is what heaven's going to be like. This is what the kingdom's going to be like. And I love it. But there's, this, there's also this real sense of the love that we're called to is more than that, right? It's to invite the people in who don't normally fit in, the people who are hard to love, the people who maybe we wouldn't first think of inviting to the party, but we're called to love people like us, or like the way that Jesus loved us. But again, it's not manageable on our own. We can't do it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. We could try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We could try to search within and find this strength, but it's not there. <laughs> it, it's not built into us apart from Jesus. The answer to how we can love like this is in the text. It says here in verse 19, we love, he's talking to the community of Christians here, we love because he first loved us. The only way that we can have capacity, that we can discover a capacity in, within us to love people sacrificially the way that Jesus loved us is if we have experienced that love first. I actually, uh, I, <laughs> I put out like an Instagram survey this week. It took me like five minutes how to even figure out how to do that. I'm like learning, I'm becoming more and more disconnected from how to do things like that. Um, it took me a while, but I got it out there and put it out there to my thousands and thousands of followers, had many, many responses. Um, but of those many, many responses, <laughs> what I was uh, very surprised at is that every single person included this concept of to be able to give love or to grow in love, we have to receive it first. We have to be willing to receive it. And what was so remarkable about that to me is that the the handful of people that responded weren't all believers. Like this concept of receiving God's love or receiving love from outside yourself to be able to give it is not, was not limited to people who were familiar with the words of John the Elder. It was, there was one person who responded who I'm not sure has ever cracked a Bible open in their life. And yet, the first thing that they typed was to, to give love, you have to be able to receive it. And I, I think that's so true. Somehow deep within us, we know that to be able to love, we have to be able to receive love first. Many of us here have received the love we're talking about today. We've We've had this come to Jesus moment, right, where we were very aware of God's love for us in a way 
that tore down all our walls. Maybe there were tears. Maybe you were overwhelmed at the reality that Jesus would suffer for us, that he would die on a cross for us. It's, it's, all, it's all in here, in this little bit of text that we read today. But many of us have forgotten this on an emotional level. Like that, that feeling seems distant. It seems separated by years, maybe decades. The last time that you like really felt the reality that God loved you. The last time you had a space to sit and just recognize that you're loved by God. And intellectually, maybe you get it. Like you, you acknowledge the theology, the facts, the, chronolo- the chronological process of what Jesus did. But emotionally, we've forgotten maybe what it is that Jesus has done for it. What, Jesus has done for us and the love that he has for us. Some of us have forgotten intellectually. We've sort of let go uh, of these these basic truths that we were taught so long ago, that Jesus put on flesh, endured suffering, went through a life of trauma and hurt and pain just like us, and suffered on a cross and died out of love for us, and rose again on the third day so that we could have life. There's part of that that to many of us might seem a little bit like old school, right? It might feel like a little bit archaic. Like I I used to really think about that a lot, and that was like at the core of my faith, but I don't really hold on to that. And I'll be honest, I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty in seasons of my life of like focusing on other parts of the faith because I, I didn't really understand that or it didn't really feel culturally palatable. Many, many of us have forgotten the love that Jesus has shown us and the blood that he shed, us, shed for us. Many of us need to remember. We need to remember what it is that Christ has done for us. The love that he has for us. And there's no better example in my own life of understanding maybe a fraction of how God feels about us than the fact that I have kids now. Many of, obviously, from all the the noises and craziness going on in here, many of us have kids in this church. You see kids running around everywhere. And... It feels overwhelming sometimes how much I love my kids. And it, they can be like frustrating throughout the day and exhausting. We're like in that phase where we're still losing sleep at night. But when I come out of Emmy Lou's room every night after I've tucked her in, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, how do I love her this much? It is insane. Babe, did you hear her say her ABCs? Sure, she missed like seven letters, but it's amazing, Right? Like, despite imperfections, despite all the struggles, there's just, like, so much love. Maybe you've felt that way about a kid or about a friend or a parent or someone in your life. Man, God loves us so much more than that. The reality is, though, I think we need more than just a remembering. 
We need more than a memory. It's called a relationship for a reason, right? That's the thing that you hear in church all the time, that it's a, it's a relationship. But is it? Is it for us? Is our walk with God, our life with God, an ongoing experience of God's love? Or is it just a story that we remember bits and pieces of from a long time ago? I think we need to remember, but we need more than a memory. We need a fresh experience of God's love. He's willing. He's, he's ready. He loves us. He's willing to do that tuck-in thing every night, to show up and listen to you talk about your problems, to mess up. Like, he's watching you. Like, you might feel like you're struggling, but he's clapping for you. He's proud of you because you get back up. He, he cares about you. He sees you. You might feel like you don't know where he is or how far he is from you, but he's close. He's near. He sees you. He loves you. We need a fresh experience of God's love. One of the things I love about Redemption Hill and one of the reasons that I'm here is <clears throat> I feel like we're a mission-shaped church. Like we're, we're very much at the forefront of who we are is to reach people, so to love our neighbors, to love our city, to serve our city. Um, if you know me, that's something I, I care a lot about and motivates me and the way I think. Um, if I'm honest, though, I think in a lot of seasons of my life, I've been really passionate about God's love for other people and the things that God wants to do in the world while being distant from the reality that God loves me. <laughs> and I'll, I've, <laughs> if you've known me for a long time, you could probably see this. Like I've spun my wheels and wanted to go so hard to like love other people and serve other people and see these things happen in the city, revival. I want to be in all these spaces where like hurting people are. But I've never, there's been lots of seasons in my life where I don't have the gas in the tank. You know what I mean? Like I just don't have it in me because I'm not making time to be with God and have an experience of God for myself. I don't have the, the stillness or the patience or the wisdom to just sit and be with God and experience his love. Because the reality is we can only give as much as we're getting. Like any love that we're able to give is only an overflow of what we're able to receive. That's why like this idea, this concept that you've heard us talk about here before of spiritual formation is so important. Why prayer is so important. Because mission Work for the kingdom, all of it, all of our energy is futile if we're not living out of an experience of God's love. We have to be able to experience God's love if we're going to be able to sustainably long-term give it out over a long period of time. At the same time, this idea of spiritual formation or receiving God's love without giving it, as John is saying, is just self-centered. We're not meant to just receive God's love. We're meant to receive it and give it away. To love people who are difficult to love. So how do we grow in love? As John's talking about here. 
You have to make time to be with God. We have to sit in his presence. We have to do the basics. We have to pray. We have to pick this book up and, and read and ask, ask God to speak to us. We have to make time to listen to the voices that he's put in our life who want to say these things to us, who God is speaking through to communicate his love to us through other people. I hope we all have people like that in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4 really quick. Chapter 4 and verse 15. Ephesians 4, chapter 15 and verse, through ver- in verse 15 and 16. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. In many ways, we exist for each other and we exist for the world. The, the, the calling that we've seen today, not just in Ephesians for the body, but that John is talking about, the standard is very high. I don't even standard's the right word, but the expectation, the potential, the capacity for love is incredibly high. Like, it seems to me that what John was witnessing and what he believed was possible in the church was revolutionary. Like it was, it was world-changing. But to be that people, to become the kind of people that love each other and love the world so radically that nothing is ever the same again, we have to be able to experience God's love. And when we're experiencing it, man, I, I believe it. I'm telling you, I believe believe it. I might be insane, (laughs) but I believe the church can change the world. You know, I used to think, Bob, you were talking about changing the world. We all want to change the world, but nobody wants to change ourselves. When I was younger, man, I used to love the idea of changing the world. Like, I was convinced that we were going to do it, right? I was going to do it. And I used to feel like it was this really romantic idea The reality is I still believe that I can influence the world and I believe that the church can change the world. It's just not that romantic anymore. (laughs) It's a lot more painful than it used to be. It requires suffering. It requires sacrifice. It's not easy by any means. But I believe it's possible if we have a, a radical experience with God's love. The New Testament church did. They were broken. They weren't perfect. They made mistakes over and over and over and over as Paul loves to write about. But they were changing the world. Something was shifting. And I believe the same exact thing can happen for us. But again, we have to experience God's love. So I could like dismiss and send you guys out and maybe you'd be like on the way to the parking lot. Like, yeah, love... Love's awesome, right? Love's powerful. I I really want to love more. But part of the challenge is 
a sermon's not enough, right? Like one experience on a Sunday morning is not enough. What is required is this ongoing life, this ongoing experience, this relationship with God where we're being filled up. We are recognizing that we're loved by him. If we're too busy, if we're too rushed, if the tasks that we have are too, are too important, then we'll miss it. I will go the rest of my life wanting to impact these different communities, wanting to change the world, wanting to invite this neighbor into my life so they can experience God's love, but I won't have it in the tank. We have to commit to making time, to slowing down, to creating space in our lives, to just be with the Father that loves us. So instead of like having this crescendo final point that like is the climax we're just going to go with the flow for a little bit. I'm going to have the band, if the band wants to come up for a little bit here and just play some music. I just want to create some space here in the end, and there's going to be a little bit of guided prayer, um, reading through some scripture. And we're just going to create space to experience God's love this morning. Maybe you, it's been for you a while since you feel like you've had five to ten minutes where you just sat and listened for God's voice, where you cracked open a Bible and had the time to just listen and pray. So we're just going to create that space right here. And it might feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's not super normal. Um, but we're going to go for it this morning. So I'm going to give you like a minute of silence to just sit and listen as the music plays. And then I'm going to read some stri- scripture and Lead us through a little bit of guided prayer as we pray for each other and for others. And we're going to invite God to just move in us and give us an experience of his love today. encourage you to take some deep breaths, do your best to silence the other voices going on in your head and just listen for the voice of God this morning. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord.
probably came here with somebody you know this morning. Most of the time we're sitting next to someone that we know and care about. Maybe you're sitting next to someone you don't know. Maybe you came by yourself and you don't know anybody. But I'd like to encourage us in the next minute to just lift the person up next to you in prayer. Ask that God would give them an experience of his love. For so many of us, it's been, so, it's been too long to ask that God would move in the person next to us and give them an experience of, of his love today. Maybe you're here and you're hearing about this concept of love or this idea of love. But maybe it sounds new to you, like this level of love, this idea that Jesus would put on flesh, come down, suffer, and die on a cross so that you could know love, so that your, your sins could be forgiven. Maybe that's foreign to you. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask everyone else to join me in praying that if there's, if there's someone here who's maybe never experienced God's love, or maybe, maybe it feels like ancient history, maybe you were a kid the last time you felt this, Pray that God would give you an overwhelming, overwhelming experience of his love this morning that would just flood your soul with a peace and acceptance and affirmation that you've never felt before. Join me in praying this. God, I ask if there's anyone here today who does not know your love, that you would remind them maybe something they've never even felt before. If they've forgotten that you would remind them and if they've never felt it, God, that you would just flood them with a realization of your reckless, insane, radical love that you have for them. That they would feel seen and heard and known maybe for the first time. God, would you move in our hearts? Would you would you restore an awareness of your love in us, all of us, your people? Would you help us see how much you love us? This reality that nothing can separate us from your love. If heaven and hell, nor angels or demons, no height or depth can separate us, God, then church walls cannot separate us from your love. Church hurt cannot separate us from your love.
burnout, trauma, pain, time, nothing can separate us from your love, God. Would you just open your heart? Would you open your hands and your heart to whatever God has for you this morning? Would you be willing to experience his love? Nothing can separate us from his love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for seeing us when we feel unseen. God, thank you for being there in the seasons of my life when I wasn't sure that you were around anymore. And for the moments where you showed up and just wrapped me up in your arms and showed me your love. have a time here where the band is going to play a song and everyone's going to be invited to come take communion. You can just come up the sides and take it back up to your seat. I'm going to be up here. I think maybe another member or two of the prayer team will be able to come up and just be available at the front at the end of service after communion. And during that song, if you want to come up and pray, Maybe you need to confess a sin. Maybe you just need to talk about where you're at, where your heart's at. I don't know, but we'll be here for you. I just believe so deeply in my heart this morning that God just wants to hold us. He wants us to know how much we love him or how much he loves us. Let's pray one more time and and the band will begin to play and we'll start communion. Father, I'm I'm begging you to do the thing that you want to do more than anything else. You want to show up and meet us where we're at. You want to meet us here. And so I pray that during this time of communion, this last song, that you would just wreck us in the most gentle and caring of ways, that you would hold us close to you, and that we would maybe begin again not just in an experience on a Sunday morning, God, but to make space in our lives to feel your love, to know your love, to be changed and shaped by your love. I thank you that you are love. You are the source. It's not hard for you. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the Connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.